Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yes, indeed. Good morning. And I am joined by Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. Good morning, Mary, on this crisp morning Saturday. Good morning, Denny. It feels like December and October here in Minnesota. Exactly. And uh, I'll have you know I did not shovel my driveway and it's melted. So I feel good about Wonderful. that. <laughs> Trouble, the, the bad news is I didn't get my leaves raked up. So we'll have to uh, wait and see what happens there. But uh, what about yes, that? We, what about we that could talk about that. Yes, well, I, I am hopeful that the first snowfall will leave us and we'll be able to clean up our leaves and do the regular mulching in our gardens that we all want to do. But for now... Snow is nature's form of mulch, so many of our plants are really not hurt by the snow, and they actually are, it is covering up and mulching them because the soil, of course, was not frozen. And we had a water deficit, so this is a great way to get a lot of moisture into the fall, into the fall, into the soil before uh, our winter conditions uh, actually do come for good. And I have been hearing rumors, Mary, that uh, the week after next, uh, I think by the end of this week, we'll be up to about 42, but I'm hearing possibilities of even back into the 50s uh, the week following. So we may, may have a chance yet. We may have a chance. And our normal highs now are in the 50s, 53, 54 is a normal high for this yes. time of year. So hopefully we can see some of that uh, again. Well, let's invite our listeners to join in on the conversation on our Smart Garden Show. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, uh, please call us or text us. The same number, 651-989-9226. Again, 651-989-9226. And if you're a regular listener uh, to the show, you know that we tend to get really busy really fast. So don't uh, don't wait. Uh, send us your text or give us a call. You can chat with Mary if if you like. Again, 651 651- Nine eight nine nine two two six. Always like to ask you too what's going on at the Arboretum, Mary. Yes, the Arboretum is uh, really beautiful now. You can. I was just looking this morning. Of course, you need a ticket to go out there, but there are tickets for pretty much any hour you would like to go today and tomorrow. Uh, you don't need a ticket to get into the Apple House, and the Apple House has a wonderful variety of apples you can buy. Uh, a lot of other products are for sale at the Apple House, too. You know, we had 290 
290 varieties of squash and pumpkins that were grown <laughs> at the Arboretum. You can buy some of those. You can see the display that's out there with those. So great time to visit the Arboretum and the Apple House. In fact, uh, last week we were talking with our friend Julie, uh, Julie Weisenhorn. Uh, she had mentioned a, a, a variety that I had not tried because I was going to go pick up some sweet tangos. She said, you got to try, and I'm trying to think what it was. Um, <laughs> was it was it fr- frostbite? No. Oh, frostbite. That- yes, yes. That's one of the newer uh, kinds, and that is available. There is a, if you go to the website for the arboretum.umn.edu, uh, there's a phone number there for the Apple House. You can listen to a recorded message about what varieties of apples are available for sale. So just calling the number, you get you get a long list. I thought, well, I'll write these down, but I couldn't keep up with it because there were so many uh, that were available. So from 10 to 6 are the hours of the Apple House, and that's just a little further west on Route 5. Uh, just go past the Arboretum exit. Go, You can go out to the Apple House, uh, but you can also still today reserve a ticket to go uh, into the Arboretum, take a walk around Three Mile Drive, there are not too many years where we can see fall color and snow at the same time, but you can do that uh, today at the Arboretum. The theater of seasons, for sure. Yes. Uh, and before we move on to another topic, have you tasted that particular uh, type of apple? The frostbite? frostbite? Yes. Uh, yes, I have tasted that. Um I'm I'm not I'd have to look up really how that name came to be. You know, we often ask the public to um to give us ideas for naming apples because it it is a challenge to get a good name, but frostbite probably one of our later apples comes in now in uh late September or early October and uh at our extension uh website uh, Annie Claude has written an article about the temperatures that apples can tolerate. Mm. And so it isn't, uh, it isn't 30 or 32 that's going to hurt an apple. It's closer to 27 or 28 degrees. That level of cold will hurt, begin to show damage to apples when they're outside. But some of these uh, later ones, uh, Keepsake is another one that comes in now this time of year, and Harrelson. Uh, they have a good tolerance for 30 degrees, and they will, they're good keepers. The later an apple ripens, usually the longer it will keep through uh, the winter time. Mm. And they are so good for you, too, besides. Yeah, right. right. Let's go to the phones at 651-989-9226. Uh, Kathy, I believe, is first up here calling from Wilmer, Minnesota. Kathy, you are on with Mary. Hi, I don't mean to jump topics, but I tried a couple weeks ago to call you. My dog passed away from a fungus from something outside, and you're always talking about that powdery mildew. Do you think that could be a culprit? Mary, have you ever heard of that? Uh, gosh, I, I am really not the person to ask about no. dog uh, diseases because uh, I, I had dogs as a kid out on a farm, but I don't have a dog now. So, Kathy, I'm sorry, I'm not qualified to answer that or what might have killed your pet. There are not many uh, plant diseases that really uh, trouble us as humans. And powdery mildew is 
uh, kind of a ubiquitous, very common uh, fungus disease. It causes the white discoloration on a lot of our plants. Um, it's usually nothing that will affect us as humans. But boy, I can't answer that about a dog. Um, gosh, I've never thought of having a vet on with us, uh, Denny. But, maybe but that's maybe an idea. Yeah, maybe that's an idea. Sorry, Kathy, I, I can't uh, answer that. Yes, sorry for your loss, too. That's tough. Uh, I tell you what, I know we have to break, but I want to uh, grab a, a text message before we do. By the way, if you uh, are just tuning in, uh, there's an open line. If you want to call in your uh, lawn or garden question or send the text like folks are doing, 651-989-9226. Here's one, Mary. What do I do about my roses? I still have them covered with sheets from last week. Oh, I would take those sheets off. Um, yes, I, I I looked at my Sven and Oli roses out by my mailbox, and they have pink and, uh, uh, you know, dark red blooms on them in the snow. So, yeah, our hardy roses, um, I would take those sheets off. Uh, those plants will, uh, they will harden off depending on how cold our temperatures are. But uh, at this point, there isn't any uh, need to be covering up up on top that could just uh increase uh disease problems actually so any any frost coverings that you had on plants you were worried about freezing and so on i would take those off very good right, if you have a question a lawn or garden type of question for mary meyer from the university of minnesota by all means call it in or text it in 651-989-9226 we'll take this break be right back and good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. We're around every Saturday here in the 8 o'clock hour on CCO. Denny along here with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota helping you out this morning. Any lawn or garden question, you can direct to Mary either by phone or by text. 651-989-9226. Same number for either the phone call or text. And we have both Mary as usual. Uh, let's see who's been waiting on the phone. I think uh, Brian is calling in from Andover this morning. Good morning. You are on with Mary. Hi, good morning. Um, so my question is about a Harrelson apple tree that I planted about five years ago. Um, I get a good crop of apples on it. It's about 10 feet tall at this point at its highest. And I notice that the apple orchards, all of the apple trees are smaller in stature. And I'm just wondering if I should top it off or prune the top of it to get bigger, better apples. Or what can I do? Because my apples always seem to be... I, I don't use any insecticides. I would prefer to grow them organic if possible, but I'm just wondering what I can do to improve the quality of my fruit. Well, pruning is something that most apple trees uh, need, Brian, and uh, pretty much any apple tree you buy today is going to be grafted onto a rootstock, and that graft union determines what size your tree is going to be. Most trees today for sale are smaller dwarf or semi-dwarf trees, but they can still be a 20-foot tall tree as well. But you're right, commercially, it's smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And now there's actually the newest way of growing apples on a support, uh, kind of like a grape, to have a big trellis system for apples. 
Uh, we have some great information online about pruning apple trees. Andy Claude has done a nice video uh, series on that, and you can find that at extension.unn.edu. Uh, it is likely that you could do some pruning that will help the tree. Pruning for apples is basically in the pretty much the middle of winter, late late winter, or early spring. So when the plants are, are really totally dormant. But pruning can help you have a more consistent crop so that it doesn't get into biennial bearing. And if you don't do any pruning on fruit trees, especially apples, um, it, it usually you end up with a much bigger tree than you want. So it, it is a good idea to prune it. Okay. Texture says this, I have a beautiful hibiscus. How do I care for it inside over winter? How much light and watering does it need? It needs a lot of light and a lot of water. Hibiscus is a great plant to grow indoors. It's one of the few things that will bloom consistently all winter in Minnesota. But you need to put it in the brightest light that you have. Usually that's a south or west-facing window. And usually a pot uh, that has good drainage. But it, it, those big leaves, they're thin but big leaves, they take quite a bit of water. So it's going to be, um, you know, at least once a week, depending on the size of the container that you're going to be watering that plant. Uh, hibiscus are great for indoors. I would just encourage you to make sure it's clean because they do tend to get a lot of insect problems and washing it off with water, giving, giving your hibiscus a shower is actually a good idea to clean up the insects. Very good. Uh, let's go back to the phones, Mary. I think uh, Gary has been waiting there in St. Louis Park to ask you a question. Thanks, uh, Gary. What is your question? Hi, good morning, Danny. Good morning, Mary. Um, Mary, you were talking about, you know, all summer long about this disease that the lilac bushes are, are, are suffering from. And early on, I lost every leaf on every lilac. It was just twigs there. And now they're all sprouting new leaves. And <laughs> what, what, what causes that? And is that going to hurt them that it's going to be that they're sprouting leaves so close to wintertime now? Well, hopefully not all the buds will actually sprout out. Um, yeah, we had this tremendous leaf defoliation with foliar diseases with apples uh, this summer, probably because of hot, wet weather conditions. Remember that in July, hot conditions? But um, anyway, but we think that it is not fatal. We're hoping that it is just more the, the leaves leaves that were affected and that there's still a lot of um, vigor and resources left in those plants. So at this point, there's really not a lot you can do. It's good that you are observing this, Gary, but the, the buds were formed uh, back in the in late July and so on for next summer's leaves. Even if some of these leaves are killed and they come out Hopefully, the plant will have enough reserve to put out another set of leaves. So um, we did see some of that. We have some information up online about this lilac disease, as well as reblooming, which is what we saw um, again uh, this past uh, summer. But hopefully, lilacs are one of our big, tough plants that can grow well in uh, Minnesota. Absolutely. Texter says this, Mary, what are some flowering perennials that absolutely must be cut down in the fall as opposed to leaving the plant standing through the winter? 
I would say the only ones you need to really cut down are ones that have disease issues. Uh, we see a lot of botrytis blight. That's another foliar fungus disease on peonies. So I like to cut my peonies down. Uh, I got that half done. So that's something still, still hanging around in my garden. Uh, a phlox that has powdery mildew or monarda that has powdery mildew basically is the plants with disease. If your perennials do not have diseases, I would not worry about cutting them down. Uh, the snow may have knocked some of them down. But we know that wildlife, uh, birds, and insects love a messy garden. And so they, the birds and the insects will live in these perennials that are overwintering. They will find seeds, food sources, and cover. So a wildlife likes these conditions. And if you don't have diseases, I wouldn't worry about cutting back your uh, perennials in the fall. That's good news. Very good. Good reasons. All right, Mary, we need to take a quick break. We have another half hour of Smart Garden to go. Call in or text in your question for Mary Meyer from the U of M, 651-989-9226. Stay with us on News Talk 830 WCCO. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on News Talk 830 WCCO. We are here every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour, thanks to good folks like Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota helping us out today. Call in your question, your lawn or garden question, or send a text. Again, same number. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. And again, Mary, we as usual, tons of text messages. Let's see if we can't field a few here. Uh, here's one. It says, "Can I still plant my daffodil bulbs?" Uh, yes, I would go ahead and do that. Uh, it's it's now or never, right? Um, the soil is not frozen yet, so um, yes. Yeah, so go ahead and plant those daffodil bulbs. All right. Uh, a texter says, uh, as far as a lawn question, I top dressed my lawn earlier this week, then it promptly snowed. Question one, did I do any harm by top dressing it right before snow? And secondly, is top dressing in, quote, fall in Minnesota the right time of year or should I be doing this uh, in the spring? Well, fall is the best time for uh, renovation of lawns. It's also for seeding and for applying uh, fertilizer. So I think it's probably fine that you did it because it snowed, which was like rain coming afterwards. So we got a lot of snow and it was a very heavy, wet snow. So all that moisture will really help with the fertilizer that you put down. So, yes, it's it's okay. And if it hadn't if it hadn't snowed and we just had cold weather, it actually would be worse. You could maybe have some runoff or so on. But no, I think that's fine. Yeah. Good. Let's go back to the phones, Mary. I think, uh, I'm sorry? No, I was just going to say it's good. We need the moisture. You know, we were in a a deficit for moisture, so uh, I wish it had been rain, but uh, snow is better than nothing. I agree. Absolutely. All right. Marcia, I think, is waiting there in Burnsville to ask you a question. Thank you, Marcia. What is your question? Um, My beautiful high bush cranberry was um, turned, the leaves were turned into uh, lace by something last uh, summer and I didn't see the actual bug but the but it underneath each little narrow branch or leaf stem there are these little scale like things and what should I what are, what is it and what should I do to prove, to save the bush uh 
You know, it sounds like maybe you've got two problems, uh, Marcia, but both uh, insects. So uh, if you see scale-like things, there there are scale insects. Um, not usually a big problem on highbush cranberry, but it can be. Uh, but what probably defoliated or ate the actual leaves themselves, when you see holes in the leaves, that's something more like Japanese beetle damage. So it could have been a combination of Japanese beetles and now another uh, scale insect. So the first thing you need to do is really definitively decide what what did the problem, what, what caused the problem. Japanese beetles are long gone. They have gone into uh, the, the soil. They've laid their eggs and the adults are gone now. So there's nothing to do about that. But the scale insect could still be a problem. So I would recommend you take a picture of the scale insect and you send it into Ask a Master Gardener. That's one of the resources on the extension.umn.edu website. Um, either that or look for pictures on our website to match what you have on your plant to determine exactly what is um, what is the problem there. Um, it's pretty late to be pl- applying any uh, insecticide or preventative control. So at this point, I think you should really just decide what, what insect is it that you have and then uh, mark your calendar for when to control it next year. All right. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. There's a number, uh, phone uh, call uh, line open. Uh, speaking of phones, let's go back to Minneapolis on the phones. I think Dorothy is there. Dorothy, thanks for waiting. What's your question for Mary? Yes. Um, hello. I just tuned in, so you may have just answered this question earlier, and I I would have missed it. But anyway, with all the the late falling leaves, I've got some maple trees that are just lo- losing their leaves now on top of the snow. And I'm wondering if these leaves should actually be raked if possible this fall. Uh, yes, Dorothy, that's a great, a great question. You should try to rake off the leaves. The big maple leaves like that will really um, cover up your lawn too much. If you can't see the lawn, it's covered up with leaves. Yes, you want to rake those off. So hopefully things will dry out and we will be able to get back uh, onto our lawns and uh, and take those off. So I'm hopeful for that to happen. Um, I actually have a silver maple that drops its leaves the second week in November. So this tree is still green with most of its leaves on, although a lot did come down with the weight of the snow. But yes, uh, this there are many Many, many lawns still waiting to be uh, uh, raked up, and hopefully the weather will cooperate. Oh, yes. <laughs> we're, we're hoping here at our house, too. Uh, here's a t- text, Mary. It says, good morning. Have strawberries in pots on the deck been covering at night? When do I bring them in? Not dormant yet, but worry about temps at night. Thank you. Yeah, this is tricky. This is really tricky because um, I would say as long as it's above 25, you you are okay. But that's that's right now where we are. Uh, if you have a, if you have a screened porch or someplace that can be a little bit more protection, I would do that for these cold nights that are coming up. So when it gets to 25 and lower. That's an issue, uh, especially with a container. You've got a container, so the roots are going to be much more susceptible to injury. 
um, if it's, yeah, so 25 is kind of the cutoff. Okay. Back to the phones we go. I think Carol is calling in from Hopkins, uh, Minnesota this morning. Carol, you are on with Mary. Uh, hi, Mary. Uh, we have a beautiful 12-foot-tall magnolia, very full, and in this past heavy snow, um, two of the branches came down and it tore rather than just break off. Is there anything we should be doing with that? Great question, Carol, because I think this happened to a lot of people, branches that came down with the weight of the snow. So you want to kind of clean up that tear as much as you can, if you can reach it, and make a clean cut so you have as little um, exposed um you know, rather than a big, long, jagged thing hanging out there, make that cut as clean and as small as possible so it's easier for the tree to heal that. Um, that's about all that you can do um, at this point because your magnolia probably still had the green leaves on it. Many of them, mine still does, and that weight with the snow was just uh, too much. So try to clean up the cut, and uh, hopefully it will be fine. Texter wants to know, should I wait until the ground is frozen to put down mulch on my roses and cut off any of the long stems? Yes, you should. Uh, it's uh, Right now we have the snow as our mulch, but I think the snow will leave. And the plant, most of these plants, like roses, are not dormant yet. And so they'll go through the natural dormancy, and then you can put the mulch on. So I, I would wait uh, a couple, at least a couple more weeks to do that. Uh, typically, that's more in towards mid-November when we're doing that. Kind of a follow-up text on the leaves on the lawn uh, idea. Is it bad to just leave all the leaves on the grass all winter? What can happen? Oh, the grass can die. I've seen that happen before. Uh, people will make a leaf pile, and then they'll forget it, or the snow will come or something. And then next spring, uh, that area under the leaves is dead. And it doesn't have to be a pile. As long as you can't see the lawn, if you've got so many leaves that you can't see the grass, that really is uh, that's devastating for the lawn. It cuts off the light. It suffocates the grass. And um, if if you're not interested in your grass, that's okay. But otherwise, it's you really have to try to move that off. And I think you know the the things will dry out, wind will come, uh, the leaves will become lighter, and I'm I am still hopeful we can do that work. Yeah, and I also, as we head to the break, uh, I was planning on doing a little dormant seeding too. So I'm hopeful that November will allow us to do some of that too as well. All right, Mary. Right. Let's take a quick break. We'll have a more Smart Garden show to come. We have more text, a bunch of text messages. If you want to call in your question, 651-989-9226. Smart Garden around every Saturday here on CCO in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll be right back. And a good Saturday morning to you. 24 is our Twin City temperature reading, hoping to get up to around 32 or so later today. A little bit of snow tonight, tomorrow, and uh, cloudy skies overnight Sunday night. But then the rest of the week looks uh, pretty clear, or relatively so. Uh, Denny Long here along with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. Mary, we have uh, tons of text messages, too. Let's see how many folks we can help uh, before you take your leave today. Here's one. It says, when's the best time to fertilize alpine currant shrubs? They were newly planted in 2019 along the front of my house, but did not show any noticeable uh, growth, I think they wanted to say, this past summer. What do you think? 
I would fertilize those in uh, in the springtime, just as they're starting to grow. Uh, this is really not a, a good time to fertilize much of anything because uh, so many plants are going dormant, and we have the risk of any fertilizer applied now running off and not really getting down into the soil. So I do that uh, in the spring as soon as the plants are starting to grow. And this texture says, what can you do to get rid of the uh, question is fungus? Is that what it is? That looks like a dust-like substance on branches of plants I brought indoors for the winter. What could that be? You know, I'm wondering if that's lichens. So uh, powdery mildew is such a common, that, that looks like white powder on a lot of plants, but powdery mildew is pretty much on foliage. It's on leaves, sometimes flowers, but it's on uh, living, growing tissues that are, are uh, and it's, it's, you can kind of rub it and move, remove it with your finger and so on. But if it's on a branch, um, I think that might be lichen. So um, I would maybe, uh, this person could actually look up, you can always um, search lichens or look lichens up and get some pictures of that to compare exactly uh, what you have. We don't see powdery mildew very often on a branch. Hmm. Maybe we should, uh, for those, especially newer listeners, Mary, give that university website such great information on there. Yes, extension.umn.edu. And you can click on Yard and Garden there, and then you can find many resources. Uh, what's wrong with my plant? What insect do I have? What weed is this? Lots of great resources there. And then the link will be there for Ask a Master Gardener, where you can text in your questions any time of the day or night. You can send a picture of what is this, uh, asking about that. So extension.umn.edu. Really great. Great resource. Here's a text, Mary. It says, my hollyhock had uh, yellow nodes all over the leaves. I did systemic application of insecticide. What can I do for next year, do you think? Clean up your plants. Um, Anything, any residual plants, uh, leaves, stems, and so on, clean those up and remove them from the area. Hollyhocks are notorious for getting rust. And the rust is yellow, orangey. Uh, it has spores all over the leaves and foliage of hollyhocks. So just sanitation, cleaning up the area can remove the rust spores so that hopefully it'll be uh, less next year. Doctor says, I did not get my potted hydrangeas in the ground. Is it too late to dig them into the ground or should I let them go dormant? They will be going dormant soon. You should put them in the ground. Uh, they will not do well in containers um, unless you can keep them in some place where it isn't going to really get very cold. And that's, um, that's not the best condition. So it's better to actually put the plants in the ground now. That will protect their roots. And they will go dormant normally um, so I, I would go ahead and do that. I would do that for pretty much any plant that you still have in a container that you have not gotten planted or any of those spring flowering bulbs. This is, it's now or never, right? Yes. And I know you have addressed the lilac issue, uh, but here's another one uh, that uh, that maybe they tuned in late. They're 20 years old. 
In the spring they flowered, but then a couple of weeks turned brown, looked diseased, and the leaves fell off, then some flowered again in September. They're eight to nine feet tall. The question is, can I trim those lilacs back two feet now? Well, you could do this, uh, yes. This, uh, once, once plants are totally dormant in the fall, we can do pruning on them. And um, hopefully, well, that, you know, we, it's, it's hard to say if they're totally dormant, but our weather conditions are certainly uh, heading that way. And pruning now, we, I saw some of the gardeners at the Arboretum pruning the lilacs uh, that were out there that have gotten too big and out of bounds. So you can, when the lilacs are completely dormant now, prune them. And lilacs are a big, tough plant, and hopefully that will, will actually help to rejuvenate them and help them to come back. Um, we we had a very unusual year for lilacs and how they responded to the weather conditions, and hopefully they will grow normally next year. Let's hope. A listener wants yeah. to know, Mary, when's the best time to prune pine trees? Well, when they're totally dormant or in early spring, just as they're starting to grow, with the candles and the unique arrangement, the way that pines grow, Pruning them in the spring is usually what we recommend. When they're totally dormant, you can prune them um, as well. If you want to take some of the branches off when they're totally dormant, uh, I often do that with evergreens, and I use those cuttings for Christmas decorations. So totally dormant or in the spring. Listener wants to know how to prep and store canna bulbs. Cannas. Yeah, cannas uh, will not tolerate the extreme cold conditions we have outside. So cannas, dahlias, you need to bring those in. So digging them now is the right thing to do uh, when they're when they're dormant and when they're dormant when they have t- the tops have died back and before the ground freezes. You want to put them in an area that has pretty high humidity conditions and yet cool temperatures. So these are not the conditions that we as humans like. These these tender bulbs like to have uh, the conditions of a dirt floor basement, which uh, most of us have gotten away from that type of living condition. So a box or basket, uh, something leaves some of the soil around the uh, roots will help to keep the plants the cool conditions like uh, 40, 50 degrees. We have a great... Um, Great information on this on the extension.umn.edu website for storing tender bulbs. Okay. We have about a couple of minutes to go, Mary. Let's grab this text. It says, I have non-hardy succulents in the garage. When should I bring them inside? Non-hardy succulents in the garage. I would bring them inside now. Uh, I assume these are things, yes, that you're going to want to overwinter or perhaps enjoy in the um, in- indoors in uh, a bright, sunny window. So garage, uh, not very good conditions for plants. So bring them in now. Is it uh, okay to trim oaks yet? We're getting, uh, yes, right into the <clears throat> lowest, lowest activity for our oak, oak wilt. So once 
plants are totally dormant. It's low activity now for the uh, insects that transmit oak wilt. And once we get into November, we will get into the <clears throat> November, December, we come into the very safe mode. So the dead of winter. All right. Well, I tell you what, we in our last 60 seconds to go here, maybe we could uh, tell our listeners by all means, make it to the Arboretum and make it to the Apple House if you could. Yes, the Apple House is a great place to go. <clears throat> They're open 10 to 6. You can look on the website, get the phone number. You can call to see what varieties of apples are out there. You can also pick up some pumpkins and squash. So 290 varieties of pumpkins and squash. You can look at the website, get a ticket to go walk around the Arboretum. It's a wonderful place uh, to visit. And we still have the Scarecrow and pumpkin displays at the Arboretum as well. Fantastic. Just out there on Highway, go west on Highway 5 to around 41, and you'll you'll see the area there for the Arboretum. But get on the website, absolutely. Mary, always a pleasure. I look forward to when we can work again. Thank you, Denny. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Thanks very much. Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 